Good morning, everybody. It is October the 5th. It is Tuesday, and our market was doing okay to start with today, but now it's looking pretty ugly. Down 68, and that follows a 93-point rise in the ASX 200 yesterday. This volatility really has picked up. If you look at the US over the last 10 days or so, it fell 546 last Thursday, 569 last Tuesday, 614 the day before that. Then it was up 506 Friday a week ago. It was up 483 on Friday. It's all over the place. And last night it was down 505 points at worst, closing down 324. You can see the pick up in the volatility on the VIX charts, both on the ASX and the US VIX volatility index. And it feels that way. It feels pretty obvious. And the NASDAQ overnight down another 2% in one night, down 2.14%, obviously not helped by Facebook, which had an outage and dropped 5%, just short of 5% actually. I'm sure a very short term event. Meanwhile, gold was up. Gold seems to be finally getting some sort of defensive quality. And and the energy sector continues to defy the downtrend in the market. Oil price up 2.3% overnight. That came as OPEC, as you've probably heard, increased production by 400,000 barrels per day, which is a lot less than expected. And the oil price, the UK price, is at a three-year high. The US price, West, West Texas intermediary, is at a 200, sorry, a 2014 high. And I've written about the energy sector briefly in the market today section today. And this is a sector that is well below its pre-pandemic highs, whereas most of the market is above its pre-pandemic highs. So a lot of recovery potential left if everything got back to normal, the pandemic disappeared, for instance. You might remember a month or two ago, some of the US brokers started arcing up about how the sector had been left behind despite a sharp rise in the price of oil. And that situation hasn't changed. The sector is off the bottom. But if you look at the charts, it's still well down from the highs. It's trending higher. Yes, it's moved from bottom to top end of the trading range, but there's still a yawning gap between the sector and its correlation with the oil price or energy prices generally, because all energy prices are going up at the moment. And there's no doubt that the brokers are beginning to wake up to the fact that the sector is going to go into an upgrade cycle, earnings upgrade cycle, and those upgrades are beginning to filter through in individual stock recommendations from individual brokers. And that sort of suggests this is now a slow burn recovery sector. We were on it far too early. We were on it in the middle of last year and it underperformed and underperformed and cost us performance. But now it seems to be coming right. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of income around in the sector. I've put a table of yields in the Marcus Today section today. And within the big ones, Woodside's only yielding gross 3%. Of course, that's assuming they don't up their dividends. Origin 4% gross. Wally Parsons about, it's not called Wally Parsons anymore. Or Wally Group 5% yield is about as good as it gets. So this is not really a income sector. It's more a growth. Is that what you would call it? It's more a buy for a recovery sector at the moment. And there's plenty of recovery to come. I've put a chart of the Woodside Ford PE history in. It's on about 14.9. Long-term average is 17.5. So the sector isn't expensive despite the recent bounce. Woodside's up 21% in a month. Santos 13%. Oil Search 13%. Origin 
10%. That shouldn't put you off considering the lows that they were on. Beach Energy up 30% in the last month. Karoon, I think Henry's had that up 29%. And then there are some coal stocks as well, obviously Whitehaven Coal up 18%. Those shouldn't really put you off considering the lows that they have been on. But for the, if I was to be running, and maybe I will someday soon when we separate these SMAs, but if I was running the Padley Private Portfolio, the PPP, I'm not sure I'd be buying anything just at the moment with the market doing what it's doing. And despite the recent rally in energy, I'm not sure I'd even be dragged into those. The upside isn't enough to warrant the current market risk, I don't think. But there you go, one sector defying the market at the moment. We've got an RBA meeting today. My guess is they might talk about whether inflation is transitory and try and convince us that it is. They might talk about the housing market and how high it is. I was reading an article today about how the pace of growth of house prices is now coming off the top and the household debt to income ratio has blown out to six times and the RBA and APRA are going to possibly want to start slowing the housing market or slowing the loan credit risk. Let's put it that way. And there are signs that they are already doing that. And also this article was talking about the banks borrowing money in the wholesale markets and finding it more expensive and they pass that on so mortgage rates will pick up. Bottom line, the article was suggesting the housing market has now had its pandemic push and has showing signs is showing signs of peaking and APRA may just start putting putting in credit controls once again. And I think Josh Frydenberg's been talking about that. So we'll see what the RBA say today. Other things you'll see in the Marks Today section. I was on the ABC this morning talking to Michael Rowland, who's a bit of a mate on ABC News Breakfast, talking about the market and whether it's coming off the top. Have a read of the strategy piece in the Marcus Today section today. But the main point is when the glass goes half empty, which clearly it has, our market topped out. It's only about 4.5% off, as I say, but we topped out. And when the glass goes half empty, the excuses to be negative appear from everywhere, even though most of them were around beforehand. It's just no one was interested in the negatives whilst the market was going up. The moment it goes down, they all get magnified as everybody looks for some logic about the falls to explain the falls. Investors always feel very insecure if they can't explain every little twist and turn every day. So as the market falls, all the negatives get poured over. But the main reason is not on the list. The list includes the recent pop in interest rates, the tapering risk, the Evergrande risk, which seems to be looking a bit better. Some suggestions that they're going to get an injection of cash as somebody buys one of their businesses. There's debt ceiling negotiations, infrastructure bill delays, Chinese growth slowdown, supply chain issues pushing inflation up, the iron ore price fall, tax increases coming in the US, US stock market up 107% in 18 months. Correction we had to have is what everyone says after that sort of movement. And the valuation issues on not just tech stocks, which are getting it in the neck at the moment, but on the S&P 500 as a whole on 21 times compared to the long-term average of 16 and a half times, which is 21% above the long-term average. So all sorts of negatives you can pull out. But the big one, of course, is as I've said a thousand times, sorry to bore you, 
But at some point, especially after a doubling of the market from the pandemic lows, even even the 35% rise in the US market from the pandemic high, pre-pandemic highs, compare that to the usual market movement in the US, which is about 8.6% per annum. And here we are up 35% from the pre-pandemic highs in 18 months. So the real reason is that at some point, some of the big institutions will sit in their asset allocation meetings in their skyscrapers in wherever they are, Singapore, London, New York, and say, oh, enough's enough. Let's switch some money into bonds. They start selling. Everybody else spots it. And before you know where you are, the selling accelerates and we get a bit of a correction. So the main reason really is a change of mood. Prices have gone high enough. People are rotating from buying to selling. And it's a bit of a race to be the earliest and smartest to sell. So you lock in a profit and can buy back in again. That is the game in the stock market after all. But before you have a major conniption, I think my meager experience in the stock market suggests that for now, this is little more than a short-term sell-off. Almost all the reasons I listed above are, apart from Evergram, which could blow up, but all the reasons above are routine. You know, maybe we're due a routine correction, which is 10 to 15%. Wealthy investors would probably think, oh, I'm not going to disturb myself and take a load of capital gains. I'll just wait for it to happen, maybe add some more money to my investments. But it doesn't look like a precipitous correction. It's all happening rather slow motion in a controlled way. And apart from Evergrande, you can't really see that sort of black swan event that caused the GFC and that caused the pandemic collapse. So this seems to be a routine correction. I'm not sure you can even call it a correction yet, but it doesn't seem to be a seismic destroy all investors collapse, which is something that happens every 10 years or so, where you get up to 50% falls in the market. So I think for now, the conclusion has to be for the active investor, someone who's trying to exploit the stock market at every turn, which is probably a lot of us to some extent. Obviously, people have investments, but they do play around at the edges. I think for the people playing at the edges or active, then this is a tradable change in momentum. And as I've mentioned before, I'd probably be out and now trying to time the bottom. So exploiting it, not being afraid of it. And for an investor, I can see why you might just ignore it all for the moment. Doesn't seem to be a seismic event. And if there isn't, then price falls can quickly turn into buying opportunities in as fickle a way as the correction started, the buying starts. So strategy remains the same active investors now out and trying to time getting back in and for sorry active traders probably and for investors still in but keep looking over your shoulder just in case there's more something more significant or sinister going on doesn't seem to be at the moment right a few other quick things don't think that facebook overnight facebook stuff is too much to worry about again might be an excuse to sell tech stocks but it doesn't seem too terminal in the broker stuff macquarie's got some research out on buy now pay later stocks. I don't know which of their corporate clients, but they've still got an outperform on APT, HUM and LFS and an underperform on ZIP. UBS upgraded AGL to neutral. This is the stock, of course, I tried to persuade Chris to put in as a trade on his trading ideas section a couple of weeks ago and he resisted. Well done, Chris. 
It's always the same with AGL. It's throwing yourselves on the sacrificial pyre every time you even think about buying it. Anyway, there is another broker getting a little bit more optimistic. And in the research, I see Morgan Stanley with a recommendation on Redbubble with a target price 56% above the current share price. UBS with a buy on C-Link with a target price 23% above the current share price. And Ords with a buy recommendation on Experience Co and a target price 20% above the current share price. All right, that's about it. I was, if you didn't see it and were half interested in me on a segment called You Don't Know Me with Ali Moore on Friday. There were links in the weekend newsletter to that. Tomorrow I'm on the Money Cafe with Alan Kohler. That's his podcast. As I leave you, US market not looking too flash. In the time I've done this podcast, the US futures have dropped from minus 70 to minus 150 and still going down. The tide is against us. You have a fabulous day if you can. As I leave you, our market down 71. I will speak to you tomorrow.